Hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast for a very special episode because guess what? It's episode 50. How the heck did we get here already? That's so fun. We're so excited to be here with you today and um, share with you an extremely special guest who has been friends with us for a long time and actually has recently launched a book. So great things coming from this person. As always, though, first off, a couple of announcements. Just so you all know, I'm sure most of you do, <laughs> um, this podcast is brought to you by MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. We are also brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Last but not least, we are sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. Okay, enough teasing. Today's guest for the 50th episode of the How Do You Health podcast is Leah Cullis, and she's awesome. She has known Nurse Doza and Baldo since before MSW Lounge was called MSW Lounge. Um, She's an incredible yoga teacher at Wonderlust Yoga, but she also has her own website full of resources, private lesson opportunities. Um, She's a yoga teacher, holistic health coach, teacher, trainer, mom, and now author of her new book, Power Yoga, Strength, Sweat, and Spirit. And they talk about that today on the podcast, so I don't have to give you too many details now, but give this one a listen. This was an incredible episode. I'm sad I didn't get to be there in person to to help film it, but um, Leah's great. She's doing amazing things, helping people get back in tune with their lives and what they want. And uh, her personal story is incredible too. So check her out. Her website is leahcullis.com. I'll link to it below. And uh, we're just going to let her get to it. Here is episode 50 with Leah Cullis. Hey guys, welcome to the How Do You Help podcast. This is our 50th episode. So excited. Uh, we uh, We get to have some fun today. The setup's a little different once again, and uh, that's just a, an evolving thing all the time. But uh, we are going to be talking to Leah Kulish. She's like one of my mentors, my teacher, one of my favorite people. Um, anytime I don't get to take her class on, on Fridays, I'm just like, ah, what else can I do to, to, to create more time for myself? But uh, um, she's got a new book out. Um, she is a contributing, I guess, would you say partner with Yoga Journal? I contribute. To yoga journal, yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, and well, anyways, we're gonna get into that here in a second. We also have Nurse Dose here. We're always gonna end up talking about vitamins one, one way or any the other. And uh, I'm Tex Mex Yogi, so yeah, let's get this started. Yeah. So 50th episode. We're very proud that you were able to come on. Um, Thank you guys. It's Thanks been for having me. well. It's it's taking a little while because you're busy, right? You're juggling all kinds of things. We were talking about that before. So you're not only having a, a new book out, it's you're traveling doing that. Your mom, mm-hmm. right? Which is a new thing for you as well. Yes. And then of course you're still balancing, you know, 
being at your Wonderlust and teaching, and then you said you're doing online stuff, and so you're staying very busy. Hence, why it, it, you know we're here now. But um, but thank you for coming on. So you know, Baldo said you're like a mentor for for him and his teaching. I remember going and starting off with yoga with your classes, and I remember I talked to you about it a little bit. But um, I was never a, a yogi. I didn't do yoga before, and so. When he introduced me to Wonderlust and yoga, it was my first time to actually attend yoga classes. Like um, I always thought yoga was great, but I just never incorporated it into like a workout routine. And so uh, I was blessed to be able to actually have the 30-day challenge. Right? He oh, bought yeah, me that. That's right. He yeah. bought me a 30-day challenge, and he said you got to go do yoga every day. And I said, okay, I think I can do that. And so I remember the 7 a.m. classes. Mm -hmm. I think you were Wednesday, yeah. right? 7 a.m. Okay. Wednesday, yeah. you got it. And uh, I loved it. I loved going to your class because I knew it was a different experience each time. And it brought out a, a lot of different emotions and, and things that I discovered about myself. And that's why I loved going to each one of your classes that, you know, you talked about intentions, you talked about your focus. And uh, I learned something every time I went, and so I was sad to see your classes go away. And you know, I wish I could attend more of them, but you know, life happens that way. But um, you, babies happen. Yeah. Babies happen. Babies <laughs> happen. But um, you, you've had your own journey that's led you to this point, right? Because you weren't always a yoga teacher. Right. Okay. So how long have you been a yoga teacher? I started teaching yoga eleven years ago. Eleven years ago. Yeah. So what did you do before that? I worked in the fast-paced world of political campaigns. Okay. And specifically in fundraising when I made the shift. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you always think that that was like what you were going to do for the rest of your life? <clears throat> no. So let's see. I, I actually took my first yoga class when I was 17 in Iowa with my mom. Okay. My mom is one of my main teachers with so many things, which we can get into that. Um, but I... In Iowa, it's first in the nation in the caucus cycle, and what I experienced was a lot of apathy. So I wanted to get people involved and active and in engaged and working towards the greater good, yeah. the common greater good, right? And so I saw the pathway of politics as a way to do that. And I quickly got really involved in it, like most things that I yeah. get involved <laughs> with, swept away. And I started traveling the country, moved to Washington, D.C. I got this incredible education working for a presidential campaign. I worked for John Kerry when he was running for president. And every night I was in these communications meetings with former White House press secretaries. And I'm this girl from Iowa who's just soaking all of this in. And I, I learned so much. Then I moved out to California. And that was, that was a, a shift for me because in Iowa it's a non-fundraising state. Anyways, I'm getting kind of deep. But in California, it, there's so much money involved and so much influence. And I'm a very sensitive person. And I quickly got very burned out in it. So I was working seven days a week, sleeping with my Blackberry. I'm dating myself, but Blackberry <laughs> yeah. next to my head. That's and, before uh, we knew that we shouldn't sleep with Blackberry. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Checking my email in the middle yeah. of the night. And um, after a very successful fundraising event, I woke up the next morning and the right side of my face was going numb. And if I'm being honest, it wasn't just that morning because it had been building for two years. So I, when I would work out, I was starting to get pins and needle sensations in my right foot. It eventually went up my right leg, then up my right arm. And on the morning when I decided to finally confront it, it was consuming the right half of my face. So I went to the emergency room. They told me that I most likely had a stroke. I was having a stroke. And then they told me that, no, actually, you probably have MS. But it was these two points that I had injured when I was a college cheerleader was having severe muscle spasms. I had literally wound myself into knots. I had trauma in my body, and I was living in a stressful way, not taking care of my divine vessel. And I was overriding all of this communication that was coming up for years because I felt like I was doing really important work. Yeah. And it looked really good on the outside, but it wasn't fueling me from the inside. Yeah, and so I, I remember reading that part in the book where, I mean, if you get handed a diagnosis of stroke or MS, I mean, that is life altering. Yes. Right, and so at that point you decided what were you gonna do about it? Yeah, I, did, I knew that I had to wake up and not just wake up and start taking care of my body, I had to wake up body, mind, and spirit yeah. at that moment. And I knew, I had to, I had to get very honest with myself 
and say that how I'm living actually isn't serving me. And if I'm not serving myself, then I can't serve the world. Sure. And so I went back to my original intention of getting involved in politics. And like I wasn't living in alignment with why I started doing what I was doing. So it was time to shift, shift everything. Yeah. And that's when I committed to my yoga practice and started living my yoga practice. So, so your yoga practice was a continued, since you're 17 you still continued yoga? I would drop in it? a little yeah. bit, but over those two years pre-breakdown, I really started to pull out all physical activity. I see. Okay. Because it would stimulate more pins and needles yeah, sensation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, before we go continuing that, let me ask you, since tomorrow is a huge day, mm -hmm. right? It, I mean, it's election day, right? Yeah. What do you feel kind of watching uh, from afar now? Like, what are you, what have you, what have you been thinking? And having someone like Julie, right? Doing yeah. Yes. Right next to you at yes. the same time. <laughs> no. Julie, Julie, Julie. Um, so, well, I say a lot of prayers these days, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, because people are being impacted by the decisions that are being made at the top. So, in tw after I stepped out of politics, I decided to take it out of how I was sharing and presenting myself because I wasn't quite sure how it aligned. And I've decided to speak about it more. I try not to hammer it home in my yoga classes, but I definitely now talk more about current events. How I'm feeling? I'm feeling nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rest of us are too. Yeah. But also hopeful. Like if, if this doesn't cause us to wake up, I, something else is coming. But we, we have to wake up ultimately. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gotta believe that but all of this has to serve the greater good eventually. Yeah. And let's hope it's just right now. I, I, know. I mean it's showing, right, that at least it's it is waking up more people and hopefully yeah. that's enough to make the change that we need, but you know, we just never know. <laughs> Record turnout right now, right? New voter registration. I mean, it's incredible because, I mean, to, if we're going to get into it, at the beginning of last week uh, here in, in Texas, you know, Beto and Cruz are, you know, going hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I think Beto was down like six or seven points, I think. And I we checked this weekend. I mean, they're almost tied. If not, they are. So, and no one thought that, that he even had a chance, right? A red, a red state, there's no way, uh, especially in Austin, you see tons of Beto uh, signs, but you step out of Austin and it's pretty conservative. And so the fact that he has such a shot of winning is pretty incredible because, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, it's eerie, because you know, I remember me and him were watching Alexa Knight with the presidential campaign a couple years ago, and we were like, dude, he's gonna win. Like, I can't believe this is happening, right? And it's almost like the same kind of feeling. It's like. Beto might win. Like he, he has win. a he has a legitimate chance. Yeah. And I think uh, I think Julie's gonna win. I hope. I hope. Right. I hope. Yeah. And for people who are listening, uh, Julie Oliver is another wonderful yoga teacher as well. And um, she's kind of a jack of all trades. Like she's a lawyer, and she you know I saw she works at the community health uh, clinic downtown she's as well. She's a healthcare advocate. Yeah. She's a mama of four. She pulled herself out of poverty. She's amazing. And you know what? Yeah. Julie, Julie's done over 500 hours of yoga training with me, and then she went training with, with our teacher, Baron Baptiste. She called me the week that she got back from a week-long training with Baron and said, Leah, I'm going to run from Congress. <laughs> and I was on maternity leave. And I, I mean, she's just amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's what happens, though, when we choose to wake up and choose to wake up to our own potential, too. And now Julie is leading the change for all of us. I know. And she, I really feel like she's a voice for the people. Mm -hmm. um, that we talked about ACL this year. I took my mom to go see Paul McCartney Friday. And as we were walking up, the National was about to take the stage. Julie was out there talking. <laughs> yes. And I was walking up and, you know, excuse my language, but I told my mom, I said, you see that lady up there, Mom? So she's a badass. Like, <laughs> she is going to win. And um, she is really going to make a change. And you get that sense from, you know, a lot of people who go and run nowadays that, you know, yeah, they want to say and talk the talk and all that stuff too. But I've seen, and you've seen Julie firsthand, what she's capable of doing. And so we need people like that out there to, to give us a hope again, inspire us, you know, because I know people can be apathetic. Mm -hmm. But the incredible thing was, look at what voting has done for us. I mean, years ago, women couldn't vote. And the only reason that well, changed, not that long ago. it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it really wasn't, right? I mean, and, and now it's like unheard of, right? Like to think about that. But I mean, just the power of the people uh, can make a difference. And I think that's really cool to see that many people that excited about this election to say like, if I'm gonna make a difference, I gotta go out there and go do it myself. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm excited about tomorrow and who knows what's gonna, what's gonna happen. But I think yeah. Julie's gonna win. Uh, 
Beto might win too. I mean, like I said, it's got a good shot. So, but I'm um, going back to. But the, that's the important part, right? Is that people wake up from every aspect in life, and right now it's such a big topic because it's it's right there with us. Right, right now, but and you, you can't you can't sit back and not do anything about it, right? If you if you can complain about the way things are, you don't like it. You have to go out and make a difference, right? And go do something different. That kind of led you down your path too. You said I can't keep going the same route because it's detrimental to my health, and so you made a change. You got out of politics, and what was the next thing you did? Yeah, well, I, I took my teacher training, I started teaching, and then I told people that I was gonna get out of politics, and people thought I had lost my damn mind. Yeah. Yeah, like, really had gone off the deep end here. Um, so, but when I quit my job in politics, I said, a year from now, I'm going to have something that merges my passion and my skill set. And exactly a year to the week, I was at a training with uh, my teacher, Baron and I was sharing something, and he just said in front of this group of like 70 people, he said, I need someone like you. And then I started working with him for the next four years, um, being a part of his teacher trainings and developing curriculum and um, content, and really taking all that I had learned in politics and applying it to a much more, in my opinion, meaningful, uh, impactful uh, for people's lives right now, uh, pathway through yoga. Yeah, you have to meditate through all this crap, right? I mean, that's yeah. basically what it comes down to, right? Yeah, and you got to make a difference in your home, right? Yeah. With the people that you see every yeah. day. Yeah. And if, if we can start uplifting our, our human connections, our familial connections, then we start making positive and lasting change that yep. ripples out. Well, it's internal, right? It's internally outward, right? Like, mm -hmm. if, if I can't deal with the crap that's going on inside here, what makes me think that I'm going to be better towards other people around me? Right. You yeah. can gripe all you want about what's happening with Donald Trump in the White House, but if you're not living in harmony or in a, in a way that's really showing up for the people who you share a home with, yeah. right? There's more work that can be done in your own vessel. First. Always. Yes. Always working. And that's what yoga teaches us, right? Yeah. It starts with the internal and and then it creates an outer expression. Yeah. And I love that. I, I love the approach that it's your practice, right? Like it's it's humbling because you say it's something I'm always gonna work on, right? And I I've noticed that too. I even talked to Baldo. I asked him the other day, I was like, so not every uh teacher can do a handstand. Mm -hmm. And he said, Yeah. And I thought that was incredible because even the teachers you talk to who are very well versed and have so many hours, they're they're always working on something else, right? They're always trying to improve and say, I haven't perfected it yet but I keep working, practicing every single day at it, right? And I think that's really cool. Um, talk a little bit about Baron Baptiste. I mean, he's your mentor. Uh, it's kind of a big deal that that basically he kind of took you under his wing, right? And, and tell us a little bit more about how that happened. Yeah, so like I said, it unfolded in this training. We had a quick meeting and we mapped out a few different things and then we just, we really clicked, yeah. right? And um, one thing that I love and respect about Baron is that he he has to feel everything, right? He is a he is a, he's a yogi, right? Mm -hmm. He grew up. Um, his parents opened one of the first yoga studios in San Francisco in 1952. So his parents were real pioneers in health, fitness, cleansing, mm -hmm. um, all things holistic yeah. living, right? And so um, he. He lives this, he embodies it so much in that he shares it with the world. So when he felt that there was a connection with me, we were able to build on that and just get right to work. So um, he, you know, he has over five, five or six um, <laughs> New York Times bestselling books. Um, he runs teacher trainings all over the world. I've been fortunate enough to work on over 40 trainings with him in seven different countries and work on a lot of different partnerships with him. And he's, He's my, he's my mentor, he's my teacher, he's also like a brother to me, mm -hmm. and a, a good, good friend. He's stood up for me um, as a person, as a human being, as a woman, um, and also really held up the mirror for me when I needed it most as, as teacher, and, and yeah, human. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. but I mean, it's a big deal because in the, the, the world of yoga, he's created a certain form of, of practice, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, so his style of yoga is called Baptiste Yoga, and I would really consider him a yoga luminary. Like there are very few teachers like him in the world today. He, he stands apart. Um, and as I've got to study and practice with him, I really got to understand his, his methodology and his approach and also pull it out of him in different sure. ways so that we could 
communicate it to more people and share the practice on a much bigger scale. Sure. So th that's a lot of the work that I, I did with him. And it was really taking all that I had learned in politics, right? And then sure. branding it and then sharing it. Um, and at some point, I also had to recognize who I am as teacher mm -hmm. and honor everything that he shared with me. But I'm not a replication of Baron, right? right. I, I, first of all, I'm a woman. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I live in Austin, Texas. It's different from how, how he lives. And so uh, I've had to honor my own teachers, my own life, right? My own life experiences and really integrate that into my practices and my teaching and my sharing. And all of that fusion and that reflection is what I, what I have in the book. So I share a lot of Baron's influence on me, but how I teach is not, um, I wouldn't call it Baptiste yoga, right. but I'm heavily influenced and I'm so yeah. grateful for him. It's Leo Colossi, but yoga. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. so could you sum up your philosophy, your approach in, in just a few words, a couple sentences? Like if, if I take a, a class by Leah, mm -hmm. what can I expect you know, to experience. Yeah. Well, I consider power yoga practice with purpose. So the first thing that we must be clear on when we get into action is our why. Okay. So I invite every student to set their intention and do some reflection at the start of class yeah. to get clear on why they're here. Sure. And then we build mindfully with breath into a, a peak. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean a peak of, of force. It means a peak through conscious intention and action. Right? And then we also slowly go back down. So I like to think of it as creating a full circle experience. You know, I'll, I'll say something. One of the things that I connected with yoga at the beginning was uh, being a salesperson, my like meditation practice came from my visualization practice. Mm -hmm. and and. I always saw yoga as like uh, like moving meditation, right? Which probably you can sum it up that way. Yeah. And and there's there was always that connection, but whenever I started uh, practicing with you, it was like, how do you integrate it throughout the practice instead of just like oh, I'm gonna make an intention and just practice, right? So it's, it's a little different. So I always like that you can always make that connection. At least I can with you. Um, and uh, but yeah, but meditation for me is like it's a, it's a huge deal. Now I do it as a daily practice. I started it this year where I was just like every single day at least ten minutes. Oh, yeah, you yeah. sit in the morning. Oh yeah, in the yeah. morning. So, oh, yeah. Usually, I got a little story about that. So I went to go donate blood because mm -hmm. I have uh, I have O positive uh, blood, and uh, I told him I said, "Why don't you come donate blood?" And he hasn't been able to because he always travels the world, and you know they're like, "Hey, you're international, you can't do that." Um, so we took. Uh, the chance to go donate blood and they took his pulse and it was too low mm. and they said you need to go get some stress in your life so you can raise your pulse <laughs> yeah. and then you can donate blood next well, first time. they made me do handstands oh no I mean uh, like uh, not handstands the jumping jacks or <laughs> jumping jacks I drank some coffee and ate some cookies and then they tested me again and there's like, wow. dude, you need more stress in your life. That's yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, and then it's funny because I was like, why do you think that's the case? And he said, well, I think it's because I meditate every day. Mm. And I thought that was incredible because not only does he like do yoga every day, but then he's like, I meditate every day. And it's one of those little pieces that I wish like I would take advantage of is, you know, 10, 15, 20, how long do you meditate for? No less than 10. So what's the longest you meditated for? Like two hours before. You can meditate for two hours? There's been some nights, <laughs> uh, like after shows or whatever, that I'll just go sit in a park and just all of a sudden it's like 3 a.m. and I'm just, I'm just coming out of my meditation. It just happens. Like, I don't know why. It's, just, it's fun. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you talk about meditation, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, how would someone go about trying to meditate? Like, because to me, I always thought it meant like you have to like shut out everything around you mm -hmm. and just sit in a dark corner by yourself. Mm -hmm. but that's not it, right? That's not it, no. Okay. And the cool thing is, is this 5,000 year old tradition of yoga and all the traditions of meditation are available to us today, yeah. right? So we want to make them work for us today rather than having to find our own personal cave, right? Yeah. And sit for hours. So. A lot of the yo or a lot of the great teachers of meditation say you only need five to ten minutes a day, right? And I believe it can happen in, in a simple few breaths when you choose to close your eyes and go within and connect to the deep reservoirs of stillness and calm that are within us at all times. So, as a new mom, 
uh, my meditation practice isn't what it once was. Okay. Um, some days I get to sit for five or ten minutes. Some days I get to have a wiggly toddler on my nap lap and just close my eyes and take a couple deep breaths and try to connect with her. When I was breastfeeding more, my um, meditation practice was when I was breastfeeding and I would do a circular um, meditation wrapping her and I together in white light. So there is no, my point is there is no one way to meditate, yeah. right? And you can do it anywhere. You can do it on a train, you can do it in a park after a show, right? Yeah. You can do it when you're nursing and you can do it when you just have a few moments. Feel your feet on the ground, feel your connection to the earth, close your eyes and connect to the power within you. Yeah. It's really simple and it's the repetition, it's the yeah. ritual that holds the power. It's not going to be as effective when we're just doing it. Every once in a while. Yeah, like um, Marianne Williamson talks about like crisis prayer, you know, only praying when you, when you right. really need it. Right. Um, but when you're in the ritual of it, then that's what builds the power. Repetition builds power. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I didn't even know how to breathe right until I started like taking your classes. Mm. Because in power yoga, for the people who haven't done it, power vinyasa is a heated room, mm -hmm. right? So how, how hot are we talking about? Uh, 85 to 95 degrees generally. Okay, so when you're doing that for an hour and there's what, 20, 30 people in the room with you, mm -hmm. the temperature rises very quickly. Yeah. yeah, and I remember even after class, you see puddles of sweat all over the place. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how to breathe properly, your heart rate will increase. And right. I think one of the classes I first took, I, ha I took, I had to step out because I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't regulate my blood pressure and my heart rate's going too high. And, you know, Baldur's like, well, how are you breathing? And I was breathing in through my mouth, out through my mouth, and he's like, you can't do it that way. It's a different form, right? And what I found was in the nose and out the nose, right? Mm -hmm. And even that method changed my approach towards just how I view things in life anyway because it, it regulates your blood pressure, regulates your breathing pattern. And for most of us, when we're stressed out, we hold on to our breath. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The breath gets shortened, yeah. right, faster. And that was a chest breather. Mm. And I didn't know that was even a thing, because he's like, you need to breathe with your abs. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I don't really know how to do that, because I hold on to everything up here. And it's interesting, because even in like a stressful situation, people feel like the everything's getting tighter up here in the chest. Mm -hmm. And they're not able to release it. And it's just a simple like breathing pattern that goes quickly. and I was like, gosh, you know, if I can't even breathe right, how in the hell am I supposed to be calm, right? If I had encountered all these stressful situations throughout the day, and you know, you look at Baldo and he's just sitting there, just like, it's all right, just just breathe. And I'm like, I don't even know how to breathe. Like, I don't <laughs> even know how to do it right. Like, how do you breathe correctly? And so, learning the basics of how to sit right, right? Like, even cross my legs and how to sit there and just be present mm -hmm. is something I'm continuously working on every day. And and like you said, feeling the ground beneath your feet. One of the things that I thought was interesting is grounding in general, right? How many times do we walk around and we actually touch barefoot to the earth? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen anymore, mm -hmm. right? And in I our world, we talk, we talk about biohackers all day. Yeah, nice. yeah, so like we have people who you know, tell us like, you're in fluorescent lights all day, you need to go outside and you know, be under sunlight. Um, you need to obviously shut down your phones at night, and you know I'm I'm unplugging the Wi-Fi at night, you know, trying to disconnect, right? Well, that's yeah. why I can't connect. Maybe. That's why you can't, yeah, because I'm <laughs> taking it off, you know. But it's, but it, it's it's these little things that I'm I'm trying to say. Well, I want to get back to nature, right? Like I don't go camping, you know. I don't know how to start a fire. Yeah. You know, this guy knows how to do all that stuff, right? But they're basic things like learning how to breathe, right? How to do a push. -up I actually cycle. think I learned how to start a fire because when we were pledging, we got thrown out in the. And, and to the middle of nowhere with like a sock and a, and a lighter. He's like, start a fire. If you want some light, you can do that. Yeah. yeah but we got a bunch of fraternity stories. So. But, um, but yeah, like I, I, this, the basic things, I don't even think we know how to do, right? Um, that's why people are confused about diet. Like, what do I eat? How do I nourish my body? Um, brain health. How do I treat my brain? What do I do to, to, to be at peace with my mind, right? Because we have 10,000 things going on in our body and in our world, and the focus should be one thing. And I think that's one of the things I took away from your practice was one of the things that y'all talk about at the beginning of each class is say, set your intention. And your intention can't be 20 things around you. Oh, I got 20 things I need to do today. You can't do a yoga class under Leah's watch and, and focus on all these other things because you're talking about go into your breath and you feel that burn right there, keep going. Mm -hmm. Focus on that breath. It's painful, 
keep going and get rid of that pain. Now it's gone. Now keep going deeper into your pose. Go deeper. And they say, that's it right there. And it's incredible because weight, lifting weights, you don't get that. Right. You don't get that at all, right? It's like, oh, I just want to push through it and you're done and whatever. I've left classes, uh, especially like one of yours, where I literally like cried at the end. And I looked over at Balder one time. I was like, why am I crying? I said, like, this is a yoga class. Why am I crying? He's like, you did a bunch of hip openers. I was like, what the hell does that mean? He's like, you're holding on to something. Got into something. your tissues. Yeah. Man. I like the... Because I and I I don't think I picked this up from you, but the issues with your dishes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I didn't, but Baron has it in one of his books. So yeah, you got okay. issues. Yeah, issues. yeah. And you know, I probably referenced something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when we do, when we target the body in really specific ways, right? We can we can hit memories, emotions, just old energy that we haven't confronted mm -hmm. through our day to day living. But to to get there, we have to cultivate that mindfulness first, right? Yeah. And so, in my classes, I really hold space for us to pause and connect to our breath first and foremost, and then that's the guide to the inner wisdom, right? So, I feel like sometimes power yoga can get a bad rap because we can just jump right into the, the physicality mm -hmm. first, and if we don't take the time to build a mindful connection to body and breath, then we're really doing our students a disservice, I believe. Yeah. I believe. Because in that pause, in that moment of stillness, that's when we can go within. When then when you establish the rhythmic breath, that creates the pathway for the body to flow. Right? And when you have this union of body and breath, that's when it becomes about meditation and emotion. And then you can get so much deeper. So much deeper mm -hmm. with so much more purpose. I know. I and it's funny because I when I would do yoga classes I always thought I mean, oh, um, it meant that I can do the poses correctly and you know the handstands things and I can hold crow and all that and it's funny because even the basic poses I was not I was missing the boat because he told me he's like you're doing upward dog wrong I was like, what do you mean he's like your elbows are out so I had to go and learn the imbalances in my body and focus on that right because it's like doing I keep referencing a handstand It's because if I have a shoulder problem I'm gonna fall on my face because there's no balance there. And I think it's a, a great metaphor for life is that if you have the balance in life, you're able to withstand everything that comes your way, right? Like him and I have been on this journey for what, almost two years now of doing this business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're still like at the beginning stages of a startup. So every day is a new battle, a new journey. And I remember one time we were, I was really stressed out something. He grabs it, we're gonna meditate. And I was like, oh, good luck with this. And I said, I can't even like sit straight for five minutes. What makes you think I'm going to meditate? He said, just be there. And it was funny because we were there for 20 minutes. Or was that a line, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. And, and I, I, it was the first time I actually had meditated. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, wait a second. How are we supposed to do this with all these people around? He's like, no, you just you sit there and you focus on one thought. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And at, by the end, I, I didn't feel like I was going to fall asleep, but I got yoga stoned. <laughs> where I woke up and I was like, oh man, I feel so much better. Yes. We should have a shot called Yoga Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you tune out all the distractions and you tune into your breath, right? Yeah. That brings you back. Yeah. So simply, it brings you back. And just like some of the practices you were talking about, grounding, earthing, right? Yeah. Or forest bathing, getting out in nature. Yeah. Um, we don't have to just go camping all the time to refuel. You guys have this beautiful area where you can just walk outside, take mm -hmm. a couple of minutes, plug back in. For any of those of us that are living in cities and who are really busy, we can use these simple practices. You know, one, two, five minutes can help us reconnect to our inner wisdom, rather than the constant stream of stimulation that's around us all the time. All the time. I wanna to touch a little bit on uh, Ayurvedic um, practice okay. and how that um, plays a part in your life mm. uh, and because you also do health coaching I do health coaching yeah yeah, and yeah. So, um, so a little bit about that. well let's see how I really started practice and I'm I wouldn't say I'm too deep into Ayurveda but how I really started practicing it was I was working in the um, wellness industry I was traveling almost every week and I was getting sick more than than I should um, and so I had to really look at how I was living. Um, I was 
doing consulting work. I was on a lot of planes. I was drinking a boatload of green juice all the time, right? And so my vata was totally deranged, right? I, I was just too far off. So I needed to bring in grounding practices um, to, my, to my daily rituals. So that's when I stopped eating so many salads. I eat mostly cooked vegetables these days, um, even through the summer. Um, make sure I'm doing oil massages um, and, and just unplugging a lot more, especially when my life um, really ramps up. And with travel, that throws me off more than anything. And I had to tune into that, just like I had to tune into the sensations in my body. I mean, I'm learning all of the time and life reveals different lessons all the time. So when I started to lean into the principles of Ayurveda, that's when I also started to look at, well, how can I actually shift the way that I work and the way that I live versus just continuing to work on top of what's coming to me naturally. And there were a lot of opportunities. And so it's been a, you know, five, six, seven year process, I don't know, maybe more, of um, unwinding how I was automatically living and more into conscious living and conscious creation of a more grounded lifestyle. Yeah, that's cool. What, 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 Vata, what is that? Mm -hmm. So that's when the air quality is, is dominant. Okay. So you can see, and I, I'm more pale, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, my mind works pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so if I have too much of the air element within me, and things like green juice, which isn't dense at all, right? It's just like quick energy. Yeah. Being on planes, whew, I can shoot up and like totally space out and just like leave, leave, leave the earth. Sure. Right? So through my foods, through my um, body rituals, and then also through how I repattern my thoughts, I've been shifting towards more grounding overall. And that's really served my relationships. I do really credit those shifts into being able to have my relationship now and also getting pregnant and now being a mama. Yeah. <laughs> all of it goes, all the training I've done, meditation and yoga training is all prepped me to be a mama. That's, that's I, great. I, that's I awesome. That. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I think it's incredible that you still find time to even write like a book out of all of that, right? And so like tell us about what it's like now that you're a published author. Like what is that added to your life? What kind of dimension is, is going on with it now? Thank you. It's very new. So um, maybe I'll tell you a little bit. I, I set out, um, when I came back to Austin, I had like a year where I, I wandered a little bit. Um, I came back to Austin, I sat at book people and I visioned my book on the yoga shelf of book people. And that was in 2014, the beginning of 2014. Um, then I started writing. I've written, a, I have a few projects sort of banked away. And then this publisher reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in writing a power yoga book. And I hadn't thought it would be a specific yoga book at the time, but I went with the opening. And uh, it was like a six-month process going through the, um, I still had to go in front of like the International Acquisitions Board and everything. And I got the book contract when I was seven months pregnant. So I wrote the book since I've had the baby. Um, so as a mother of a, a newborn and an infant, it was, it's been a challenging process. But because I had this new source of light in my life and um, you know my inspiration, I got more essential with with my time and also with with my with my expression. So I really credit her for fueling that. Um, and like I said, it, it just wrapped up the writing process, the final edits in July, and then it came out in September. So I'm a fresh new author right now. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> My book's now in Book People in Austin, which is the largest independent bookstore in all of Texas. So, That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And you, you willed it, right? Because you, you yes. focused on it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I took pictures of the shelves. I, I mean, I went there the first time and envisioned it, but I went back a few times and envisioned it. And I didn't make any of the connections. And one day my publisher just said, hey, by the way, you're in Book People now. I'm like, and it's yeah. been released through UK, Canada, and US right now. Wow. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing because uh, I've done, I, I mentioned earlier about my visualization practice, mm -hmm. but that was always, for me, it was always like being at an event and saying, and, and visualizing like the number as far as like, this is how much I want to sell this week or, or, or today. And it, and it was, mm -hmm. it always helped me with the fact that if I was having a bad day where I had sold nothing whatsoever to just 
go back, do some meditation, some visualization, and just say to myself, like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's still going to happen. It's like this number. There's been plenty of times where it was like the exact number yes. to the cent. And, uh, it, and it's weird because that's the only place I ever applied it. I never applied it to any other part of my life other than like, I need to make this money so I can go do these things I want to go do. And that was easy. That connection was always easy for me. Mm. Right. And then it was, I think, in, during training, we talked about vision boards and about setting those intentions and so now i do that too I, when i meditate i also do my visualization before that um and in front of my, my my vision board and it's just it's a simple thing but it's just like i just don't i want to make sure that it's in my conscience right in the yes. front of my conscience yes right? absolutely um so speak about that but a little bit about um, yeah well my parents taught me how to visualize my my dad like when we would have headaches, he would teach us how to move light and, and, and like dissipate the, the pain through our bodies. Um, so he taught us, well, one for like pain management, but then my mom would walk us through visualizations. I remember before basketball games, she would walk me through plays and seeing myself scoring baskets and before tests. And I also grew up with crystal practices, like we would go to the crystal stores before big events and, find the crystal that most resonated with us and we'd have a little bag of crystals. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, both of my parents taught me this, but my mom really led the way with teaching me how to visualize what I wanted to see in the world very early on, very early on. Um, and then we would do it through art as well. And then as a young adult, that's when I really started developing my vision board practice. and. When you put it out in a clear, clear vision to the universe, it comes back. Like I have some crazy stuff that has come back on my vision boards. One time I did, here's a little bit about me, I was going through a divorce, I went to a cleanse center for two weeks, and um, all vegan cleanse and spiritual cleanse, and uh, I made a vision board. I was homeless at the time, like I just was choosing to wander, like I said, and I put, this picture of this house on my vision board and I knew it was kind of a stretch but fast forward two years later and my now partner and I we moved into a house that is the exact same color the exact same setup it's like this this got the second floor and this huge deck on the front and I it wasn't until a couple years later that I went back and saw it I manifested this exact house or if I put teachers on there or one time I put a magazine that I really <laughs> admired, and a few months later, they're sponsoring a lecture for me in, in Hawaii. And when we are able to get so clear about our, heart our heart's desires, right, and then put it into form, whether it's through thought, or through image, or through written word, we are creating the direct pathway there. And when we continue to bring our focus, our life force energy, our attention, right? Our presence is our power. When we bring it to those those aims over and over again, we take the steps on the path. Yeah. That's cool. I I've actually started doing that since I don't meditate all the time. The one thing I can focus on is like how I control my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's this thing I read about a long time ago, the frequency of how we view things, right? Glass half full, glass half empty. Mm -hmm. And it, it's funny, because there's times when I'm, I'm telling Baldo, I'm like, man, I just, I don't know. And it's like, it's gonna happen. And I was like, what do you mean it's just gonna happen? He's like, just manifest it. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, right. And he's like, no, just try it and see what happens. And lo and behold, there'd be times, like, especially when it came to, you know, business, like, we need to do this today. Okay, cool. And it happened. Like, you look up, you're like, it, and it happened. And it's always kind of that thing is like, can't, cannot be in your vocabulary, or it shouldn't be in your vocabulary, right. right? Like, you shouldn't say that, because you never know what you're capable of doing, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't know if you ever envisioned of writing a book, but I'm pretty sure someone along the way was like, why would you write a book, mm -hmm. you know? Or could you write a book, right? Can you be a, a best-selling author, you know? I mean, who knows, right? But you never know until you try. Right. And now you have a book out there that is gonna go up there with all the other books that have been out there, and someone's gonna pick it up you know, maybe 20, 30 years from now, and be like, oh, this changed my life. Mm -hmm. And it was funny, because all you imagined was just getting that book on the shelf and seeing what 
what it brings to this world, right? And I think that's the greatest thing about being creative is that because you never know what you're capable of, you never know what, what kind of door it's gonna to open to the world, right? Like I came to your class and a whole nother world was opened up for me. And it's cool because I, I now take a little bit of what you taught me and every day I try to implement in my daily routine. And it's not that I'm doing yoga every day, but it could be that I'm saying, you know what, I'm gonna focus on this today. And if I can do one thing, I can focus on an intention of saying, this is the change that I want to see in the world. Yes. And I think that's the coolest thing about yoga is that no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, you can come into a classroom, get on your mat, and you're right alongside someone else who's been doing it 20, 30 years. Maybe you're alongside someone who's doing it for the first time. But yet you walk away knowing today, even if it was just an hour, I made a change in the world and brought about this energy that could be intoxicating to where someone else is gonna take it and run with it. And next thing you know, that person did this. And then this person did this. And a few years later down the road, they might say, it was because of you that I was able to do this next. Mm -hmm. And it was just the intention of saying, I want that change. You know? And I think that's what, going back to the politics, that people want that, right? They want to change because you can't be complacent. Yeah. Well, I do feel like the, there's the other side um, that, that comes with that in that is being holding space for people to discover what they most want yeah right so yes as teacher you can inspire and you can lead but also letting people or being clear that it, the source comes from within yeah right and then honoring all the teachers that have come before like anything that i share in my class i'm not making any of it up Right? This is a 5,000-year-old lineage, and yeah. I am so lucky that I've had amazing teachers who have shined the light forward for me so that I can walk the path. So for me, as teacher, it's important for me to not get in my own way or other people's way. Yeah. So to be in constant practices or continuous practices of cleansing, body, mind, and spirit, of making sure I'm not blocking anyone's light, that I can help them discover their own light. I I think it's a humbling experience, right? I mean, you wrote this book, and now you're joining published authors that have said, oh, like Baron, right? He's written, what, six, seven bestsellers? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I don't know if you ever imagined that you want to be a bestseller. Maybe that's not your intention. No, it is. I mean, I've said to myself <laughs> over and over again, I am a best-selling author. <laughs> best <-selling> author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it could be that that's the case, right? And then mm -hmm. next thing you know, you write uh, a sequel, <laughs> a second one. Say, yeah. And I've learned this after so many years of being a mom. You know, or traveling and saying, you know, people say, hey, Leah, I connected with your book on this level. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what it did to me. And then you reflect again. Maybe when you're older, you're like, okay, I'm going to change the way I look at everything. And now this is my approach. Because we're always changing. We're always adapting. Yes. Right? And I think that's important, too, for setting visual visualizations and goals, too. Giving yourself this, the grace and the space to adapt, involve, and meet life as it needs you. Yeah. yeah. And, and all of it is... It, we, our yoga practice expands and evolves as we do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We're not stagnant. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one other thing I'll, I'll mention is because I know we're, we're kind of running out of time here. Um, for all the people who haven't tried yoga before, just, mm -hmm. just do it. Like, just go out there and try 20 minutes. I mean, the meditation aspect, that's a work in progress, right? But I, I think it's really cool when I see more guys doing yoga mm -hmm. because here in Austin, it's just the norm. Right? There's a, how many yoga studios are there in Austin, right? I mean, there's, uh, there's so tons, many. right? So many. But it's the norm to walk into Wanderlust now, and, you know, in the locker room, you see the same guys over and over again, mm -hmm. and, I mean, there's, they're ripped. They're big. Like, they're, like, there's a guy who's a former NFL player, and he's doing yoga every day instead of, you know, going to the gym and working out, because to him, this is something that brings about something bigger, right? And I think it's cool that we do make the time to, to work out. We do make the time to eat, right? But there's intention behind each one of it and everything we do. And it's cool because it's becoming more of the norm now. Mm -hmm. That you hear more and more guys saying, I do this because, um, you know, it, it does this for me. But then the yoga aspect of it, it's challenging. And I think that the humbling aspect of it is that for every day that you feel like you kind of mastered something, you look over to your right and there's someone doing a different pose. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I can do that now? And Bald is like, yeah, you can do this. And just take it a little bit further. 
and then do this with it. I'm like, oh my God, that's going to take another six months to do that. He's like, yeah, but now you got another thing to focus on and practice. And I'm like, cool, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. And going back to the ACL thing, we, we meet at the flags. That's the thing. We always do that every year. And even at the end, we're done with our day. We reflect, we go to the flags, and we just do yoga. And people come up to us, and like they do yoga with us. And we get to meet them and talk to them for a little bit. And they say, oh, can you do this? Can you show us this? And I'm like, that's really cool. But every time, it's something that you can learn from and take away. And I don't, I don't get that. Like, I'm going to go work out at the gym. I don't get that every time. Mm-hmm. You know? That's why we call it a practice. Yeah. Because there is no end. Yeah. There is no end. So you do yoga every day still? I do. It's different these days. You know, like um, I just um, shared something in Yoga Journal. I use my daughter's mat now, and we roll around together, and I merge my practice with our play first thing in the morning. And I've got a little munchkin with me now. Uh, so I definitely move every day, but my body has changed so much since becoming a mama. Um, Child's poses are completely different. Oh, chi- I mean, child's poses love it. I love it. I love it so much. But, you know, I had a hamstring injury a couple of years ago. I'm still working with that. But then after giving birth, like, my hamstrings are totally different, which is cool because I am in a new space completely in my body and in my practice. Yeah. And I've been teaching for a long time and I've been practicing for a long time and have so much newness for me to explore and so much more for me to learn. That's one of the reasons why I love this practice. There is no end. And we, we get exactly what we need if we're willing to do the work. I agree. Well said. Well said. Well, I think uh, we're out of time. So um, how can people find you? I know. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the book? My book is Power Yoga, Strength, Sweat, and Spirit. Okay. And my website is leahcullis.com. Okay. So you can find links to the book. The book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, book people, Target. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you can find That's it in a cool. lot of places That's now. That's cool. <laughs> and uh, I'm at Leah on Instagram, and I've got some cool stuff happening over the next year, rolling that out. I have a course with Yoga Journal, like I told you guys, that's um, being re-released with my book starting in January, so it'll be their New Year initiative, so please join me for that. And yes. what about a class? Class. Oh, I teach public classes at Wanderlust. Um, Wednesday night, it's usually half guys. Yeah. You, you don't ever come to that one. You come to my I've done it a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Friday morning, 9.30, and then I teach up at the domain on Mondays now, too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you guys us. so much. Thank, thank you all for guys. listening. Thank you.